Chapter 21. It was a long drop. Ah! Ah! Wap, wap. We hit something hard. We bounced. We hit again. Wap, wap. You okay? Jake called down. Oh yeah, I'm great, I said. I fell about a billion feet and landed on a steel trampoline. Couldn't be better. Sarcasm. Rachel commented coolly. He must be okay. Laugh now, Rachel. We'll see how much you laugh when it's your turn. The plan was for me and Axe to create a silk cable the others in Cockroach Morph would be able to climb down. That way, they wouldn't all have to go spider. Not that it would have helped, anyway. We're coming down, Jake said. When we reach the end of the silk, we'll jump. If you two survived, we will. Nothing kills a cockroach. Why don't you stand right beneath me, Marco? Rachel suggested. You can break my fall. Axe and I scurried out of the way. A few seconds later, after they had clambered down the end of our silk. Whap, whap, whap. Three cockroaches landed nearby. Where are we? Jake asked. It's pretty dark. Who knows? I answered. It's a heating stair conditioning vent, I guess. Eric said it would be part of the furnace system. Supposedly we go west a hundred feet or so, then drop down, then go across the furnace, then down again, then right. Then we're at the edge of the high security room, where the real trouble starts. Excuse me? Did someone say furnace? Cassie asked. Yeah, I said furnace. Does it occur to any of you that the furnace might actually come on? Cassie said. Not till right this minute, I said. It's not very cold out, Rachel pointed out. Okay, I've seriously changed my mind, I said. Let's go home. Of course, no one listened to me. We scrabbled along the steel floor, two spiders and three cockroaches. Our rough claws seemed to make a horrible din on the metal, scuffing and scratching, but it probably wouldn't have sounded like anything to a human. As we ran, there was more and more dust on the floor of the vent. It was weird, like walking through dried leaves. My eight legs kicked through it, and it swirled behind me as I passed. Eventually, the dust became as thick as a carpet, although in reality, it was probably no more than a few millimeters thick. Every ten feet or so, there would be a grilled opening. Through the massive upright bars, I could see offices. The light in the offices was very dim, just the glow of computer screensavers and red or green function lights. But it helped us to find our way through the darkness of the vent. Then... What's that? Rachel yelled. She was the farthest back. Uh-oh. Something's coming. I feel the vibrations. Something big. She took off. I took off. We all took off. Now I could feel the vibrations too. Quick, confused-sounding footsteps. And a dragging sound, like something was being hauled. I ran. To my left, another spider, Axe. Ahead of me, two roaches, almost as big as I was. Rachel was just back to my right. I couldn't exactly turn and glance over my shoulder. I had no shoulder. And I had no actual head to turn. So I paused, spun around, and in the dim light from a vent, I saw it. Huge. Twenty times my size. A vast, horrible menace. A rat! I yelled. It's a rat! 
The thing I'd heard dragging was its naked tail and furred abdomen. It was hungry, and it was after us. And unfortunately, it was faster than me. Go, go, go! It's gaining! I yelled. We blew at top spider and cockroach speed, which seems really fast when you're an inch long, but isn't really that many miles per hour. A rat can do maybe five or six miles per hour. A spider is lucky to break one MPH. We have to morph back, Jake said. Not in here, Cassie cried. Not enough room. Next vent, Jake said. We go out through the next vent. The next vent was about ten feet away. I couldn't turn around and look at the rat, but every hair on my spider body told me it was just inches behind me. Yet, there was something else making my hair tingle too. Something about the breeze. Yeah! I heard Jake yell. A split second later, my spider legs were clawing air. It was like a Roadrunner cartoon. I zoomed out into space, seemed to hang there with my little feet motoring away, and then I fell. Oh yes, Axe said calmly. Eric mentioned we had to go down again. Wham, 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 wham. We hit steel again, and each impact sent dust clouds swirling. Keep running, Cassie cried, and fortunately, for once, I didn't argue. Ba-boom! The rat dropped behind us. It was still after us. Fortunately, it was a little stunned by the impact, whereas we were out of there. Suddenly, ahead of us, the steel floor opened up again. But instead of a drop into darkness, there was a weird vast plain of jagged spires. Each of the spires was steel, three times as tall as my little spider body. Each metal spire opened at the top. There were hundreds of them, all arranged in perfect rows. A foul smell, something my spider mind knew nothing about, came from this field of spires. A weird flickering glow lit the landscape. In the eerie light, it looked like some awful graveyard with the spires like industrial-strength gravestones or something. I mean, it was creepy. What is that? I asked. Let's just get going, alright? Rachel suggested. We can sightsee some other time. I would never have walked into that field if the rat hadn't been just two feet back and gaining again. I didn't need spider senses to know there was danger here. It screamed danger. I stuck out one spider leg and touched the top of the nearest spire, then another, and another. I walked from spire to spire, carefully, cautiously. The cockroaches crawled and squirmed through the valleys between spires. Unable to stand normally, they had to drag themselves inch by inch. What is that? I asked again. You don't want to know, Jake said grimly. Let's just get out of here, okay? Right then, it hit me from the tone of Jake's thought-speak voice. Oh man, this is the furnace, isn't it? These spires, the holes on the tops of them, it's where the gas comes out. Not if no one turns on the heat, Rachel said grimly. Over my head now, I saw the source of the eerie glow. It was the pilot light. It was a jet of blue flame as long as my body. I could feel the heat from it, even though it seemed to be as far above my head as the ceiling of a cathedral. The rat, smarter than we were, decided to stop at the edge of the furnace. But there was no going back. We had to cross the furnace. We had to hope the Matcom Corporation was into energy conservation and didn't waste heat. We had to pray that no one had messed with the thermostat. Because if the heat came on... 
Hiss. Gas! The gas blew with hurricane force through the tops of the spires. In seconds, the gas would rise to the pilot light. In seconds, the entire landscape would erupt in flame. I thought I'd been moving as fast as I could move. I was wrong. I had a whole extra speed. Ahead of me, I saw Jake, Rachel, and Axe all reach safety. Only Cassie and I were still deadly inches away from safety. Run! 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 Hiss! Then... Whoosh! Fwoomp! The whole world seemed to explode around me. A wall of flame. A hurricane of hot air. Chapter 22 I was blown, head over heels, somersaulting through air as hot as an oven. I somersaulted backwards, hit steel floor again, and screeched like a skidding car. I plowed straight into Jake, and a split second later, Cassie plowed straight into me. Cassie! Cassie, are you okay? Jake asked. Yes, yes, I think so. Who can tell with this roach body? I'm okay too, I said. You know, just in case anyone cares. I guess they like to keep this building nice and warm, huh? Rachel said. That was very close to being a disaster, Axe said. We should thank the rat. If he had not chased us, we would have been crossing those gas jets several seconds later. That was not a nice picture to think of. We would have fried, sizzled, and popped open faster than we could even think about demorphing. That would have left a big wad of Marco mass floating in Z-space, I muttered. I could joke about it, but I was quivering inside. The rest of the trip to the heating and air conditioning system was calm. But that just gave me time to think about the close call. One second slower and I'd have gone out as a roasted spider. There are walls up here, Jake warned from the head of our little pack of singed bugs. No, wait, not walls. Like a maze, like Eric said. We traveled through a series of switchbacks around a steel panel, then back around another. It was a light-blocking system. It would block out every last photon of light that might come through the vent. Then we came to the edge of a drop. Beyond it, I knew, was the high-security room itself, the location of the Pemolite crystal. We were six feet up. We had to drop, and then stay within two feet of the wall. Any movement farther toward the center of the huge room, and we would set off pressure sensors on the floor. By this time, we were used to falling. Next time I want to try jumping out of a plane, without a parachute, I said as I stepped into the black void. It was an eerie experience falling in total darkness. You have no idea where the floor is. It's almost like you're not falling at all, until you hit the bottom, that is. Stay close to the wall, Jake reminded everyone. Hug the wall and demorph. I was relieved to be human again but my human eyes were no better than spider eyes at penetrating the darkness. It was darker than any night. Darker than hiding in a closet at midnight. This was the darkness of being buried alive. There could be six hork standing three inches away, and we wouldn't know it, I said, in a whisper that seemed to be deadened by the darkness itself. That's a nice thought, Rachel said dryly. Even a single proton of light would set off the light sensors, Axe said. This is complete darkness. And according to Eric, if we stepped two feet away from the wall, we'd run into a maze of ultra-sensitive wires. 
Any contact and the alarm goes off. We have to travel 40 feet without touching a wire, without touching the floor or ceiling or walls. Jake reminded us. Let's morph. We'll be able to see then, Cassie said. Or maybe not see exactly, but you know what I mean. What she meant was that we would be able to echolocate, kind of like the dolphin morph. We would be able to make very fast, ultra-high sounds that the human ear would not even hear. Those sounds would vibrate off any solid object and send back a sort of sound picture. At least, that's what we hoped. We had been planning to practice and find out if it was true. Instead, we were morphing without any knowledge of what we were getting into. Someday we'll think this is all funny, I said. You know, if we happen to live long enough. I focused my mind on the bat morph we had each acquired. They aren't as creepy as people think. Certainly not as creepy as morphing a spider. This particular bat was very small, just a few inches long. It looked like a mouse, with huge ears and the face of a Pekingese dog. If you forgot about the leathery wings, it was just another basic mammal. But this was one case where the weirdness wasn't something you saw. I couldn't see anything. Nothing. I couldn't see myself shrinking, the ground rushing up at me. I couldn't see the way my leg shrank to almost nothing, and brown fur sprouted from my body. I couldn't see the way my fingers grew so long, and a paper-thin leather web filled the spaces between them. I saw none of it. I didn't even know I was a bat, until my bat brain sent out an order for me to open my mouth and chirp out a pulse of sound. I fired a string of super-fast sound pulses, like making a loud machine gun sound, only a lot higher, and way, way faster. And then... Whoa! I said... The entire black, pitch black, invisible room had just lit up. It wasn't like seeing, exactly. It was like, like feeling, almost. Except it was like you were feeling from a distance. I felt a vast room. I felt thousands of wires strung taut, up and down, left to right, at angles. And, at the center of the room, beyond the maze of wires, I felt a raised, flat surface, and a sort of pedestal. There were curling wires coming from the top of the pedestal. All that came in a flash. Then it was gone. The others fired off their own echolocating blasts, but I couldn't feel their sounds as clearly. Okay, that is cool, Rachel said. That is way cool. The wires seem awfully close together, Cassie worried. I wish we'd been able to try out these wings. I guess all we can do is hope for the best. Trust the bat to do the flying. Abandon yourself to the force, Cassie Skywalker, I said. Thanks, Darth. You first. Me first? Oh. Suddenly, I didn't feel at all like laughing. I licked my lips with my little bat tongue. Assuming I had lips, I wasn't sure. I opened my wings. I spread them wide and thought, well, this should be interesting. I tested the wings cautiously. They moved differently than bird wings. More like I was reaching out with each stroke to grab the air and push it behind me. Okay, here goes. I fired an echolocating burst and took off. Fired again. There were tight strings all around me. Left. Left again. Down. No up. Right. Left. Right. Right. Straight up. Again and again, the high-pitched sound machine gun fired. Again and again, I dodged, millimeters from a wire. It was insane. It was so fast my human brain was three steps behind. 
It was instantaneous. It was impossible. The speed, the agility, the instant translation of the echolocating blasts. And suddenly, I was through. I was through the wires. I landed on the table in the center of the room. It was all over in ten seconds of lunatic flight. Okay, now that is a roller coaster ride. Yes! I said, incredibly jazzed from having made it. Yes! The others came, one by one. I could watch them fly, seeing them in my echolocating flashes. Everyone made it, and we were feeling pretty good about it too. It was a rush. We did it! I said. These bats can fly, Rachel added. Is that the crystal? Cassie asked. Axe fired a burst and said, That must be it. It was no bigger than a grate. It rested on a small pedestal. Wires, not the sensor wires, but curling electrical type wires, edged in all around it. But the crystal itself was not attached to anything. It just lay there, where anyone could grab it. It made a sort of low humming noise. I know it makes no sense, but it was almost like the crystal was alive. Um, I have a stupid question, I said. How do we grab this thing? For about ten seconds, no one said a word. We don't have hands, Cassie said, pointing out the obvious. We can grab it in our mouths, Rachel said. Right? Bats eat moths and stuff. They must have pretty strong jaws. Strong enough to get that crystal back into the air vent. Oh, duh, of course, Jake said, sounding relieved. I'll do it. I believe that may not work, Axe said. Jake? Cassie said. Jake, if you have a crystal in your mouth, how do you fire the echolocating burst? At which point we were suddenly no longer feeling so good. I believe our plan now has somewhat of a flaw, Axe said quietly. Chapter 23 See, we should never get cocky, Cassie said. It's tempting the irony gods. Irony gods? Axe asked. Yeah, Cassie said. The bitter spirits who wait around till you get cocky, then hammer you. These are real. No, of course not, Cassie said impatiently. How do we get out of here with that crystal? We power our way out, Rachel said. Axe said, Eric's opinion was that there were many guards here in this building. We didn't see any on our way through the shafts, Jake remarked. But Eric's been pretty accurate so far. I have a feeling if he says there are guards here, there are guards here. No choice, Rachel said. We morph whatever we have that's big, mean, and nasty. Then we slam our way out of this place. Speaking of irony gods, I muttered. What do you mean? Rachel asked. I mean, we came here to get this Pemelite crystal so that she could be free to be violent. And now, despite all our clever planning, all our sneakiness and subtlety, we're stuck in the end going for total Schwarzenegger. Rachel's right. Jake said. He sighed. We're looking at a fighting retreat. Cassie said. I think there's a door over there. Try echolocating. You'll see a raised rectangular outline. I think it's a door. Yup, 
Jake agreed. Morph out. Keep that direction in mind. Remorph, and be ready to haul butt for that door. Head for any way out of this building. Don't stand and fight. Just try to force your way past anyone who comes after us. It was times like this that I was glad Jake was our so-called leader. We all knew what we had to do, but someone had to actually say it. And boy, was I glad it wasn't me. I have such a bad feeling about this, I muttered. Have you ever watched those old war movies, where the Americans would be heading for some enemy breach? You know, they'd be in a little boat, riding through the surf, getting ready to jump out on a beach that was going to be chewed up by machine gun bullets and mortars? That's what this felt like. Like we were pretty calm now, but in a few seconds, it was going to be life and death. Things would happen very fast, and none of it was going to be good. I morphed back to human, then I focused my mind on the morph I liked for fighting. It was still absolutely dark, so I didn't see my body grow big and hairy, but I could feel my shoulders bulk up, beyond anything any bodybuilder ever even dreamed of. I could feel the strength, strength like no human could ever possess. It was comforting to think that I was stronger than three, four, maybe five strong men, but not even the gorilla is invincible. Everyone ready? Jake asked. There, in the darkness, near enough to touch, but invisible, was enough power to shred a small army. Jake was in his tiger morph. Cassie had gone wolf. Rachel was one of the few animals mightier than my gorilla. She was a full-grown, massively powerful grizzly bear. And Axe? Well, Axe was Axe. And trust me, when you've seen an Andalite in battle, you know that tail is all he needs. Ready? Why, I'm looking forward to it, I said, trying to sound like I wasn't scared silly. I'll go first, Rachel said, and before anyone had time to object, <laughs> Rachel barreled past me, hitting me and practically spinning me around like a top. A Marco second later, <laughs> the alarm was deafening. The others barreled after her. I hesitated for just a moment while I felt in the dark for the Pemelite crystal. Aside from Axe, I was the only one with hands. Then I went after them. I plunged wildly into total darkness, with a tiny crystal in my massive fist. Rachel tore a path through the alarm wires, and I could feel where she had gone. I slammed into Axe, then bounced into Jake, then suddenly, wham, hit the wall. Crunch! A loud, screeching, tearing noise. Suddenly, light! I could see. Man, it was a relief to be able to see something at least. Dim light came through the door. Or what was left of the door after Rachel had given the door a thousand pound or so of mad, ready to fight Grizzly. The door was splinters. It was steel, and it was still splinters. I saw a flash of orange and black, moving fast, but almost delicately. Jake in Tiger Morph. Cassie the Wolf followed him. Right behind her was the one animal that wasn't from anywhere on Earth. There was a hallway outside. Jake said, Luft! And we went left. Past doorways, past offices, past normal things like copiers and computers and fax machines, and desks and cubicles. We ran. Rachel was in the lead, a huge lumbering truck on four legs. Her roars mixed with the endless screams of the alarms. 
Suddenly, another door. A dead end. Rachel hit it with her shoulder and the door was gone. There was a big room beyond. High ceilings. Open space. A lobby sort of room. Windows! I could see the faint stars through the tinted glass. Escape was just a hundred feet away. Freedom! Life! And all that stood in our way was twenty human men. Human controllers, armed with automatic rifles. And behind them, two dozen or more hork warriors. Rachel's bear had very poor vision, especially in this dim light. hork She asked. Yep, I said. How many? Too many. Way too many. Hello, Phantomorphs. And thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Thank you for listening. I don't have any, uh, any real new news here. Just, uh, trucking along. We're almost done with this book. Uh, I think we'll be done by next episode. I'd have to double check, but we're very close, and I think next episode will be it. So, thanks for hanging out with uh, with me for this ride, and uh, hopefully you'll continue listening. In the meantime, if you liked what you heard here, and you use iTunes, maybe consider giving me a rating and review on iTunes. That'd be pretty cool. Or tell a friend. I'd appreciate that. If you'd like to reach me about this podcast, you could do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to my second podcast, OK Crusader, which can be found wherever you search for a podcast. Just put in OK Crusader, one word, and it should come up. This is one where I get guests on, and we discuss uh, random characters from the unofficial Marvel fan wiki and how dateable we think they are. It's a raunchy, good, goofy time, so check that out if it sounds interesting. That is all I have this week, so... I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.